Strong Women Talk is a YM Power podcast proudly produced by Our Block Community Studio. WSWT was born when two friends decided that enough was enough. Like the world at large, we found ourselves going through a major shift in what we wanted to say and what we've been given the space to say historically. I'm Ness, and I'm the CEO and founder of Why Empower Australia, a youth mentoring advocacy service geared towards connecting young people with knowledge, opportunities, and each other. I'm Tallulah. I am a social science student by day and a hardworking hospital worker by night. I love cake, activism, and the colour yellow. When strong women talk, anything is possible, and the shroud that currently surrounds us is lifted. We talk all things sex, politics, gender, spirituality, and leading from friendship and compassion. We're so glad that you could join us. We would like to acknowledge that we filmed this podcast on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge the Elders past, present, future and emerging and anyone listening to our podcast today. There is a content warning for this episode with mentions of child sex abuse and eating disorders. Welcome to the fourth episode. Today we're going to be talking about periods, spirituality, and everything in between. I feel like we should start with like a a little meditation. For the people? You just light candles and you immediately go to meditation. Yeah. (laughs) The light is a bit dimmed, you're like, oh, it's time. (laughs) We could do like a really short one. What's really short? We could do day day 10 or 11. It's only like 12 minutes. I don't know. I don't think that they'd want to listen to us sitting. You can do it if you want. But I don't know whether they'd want us to. But also, you're not really supposed to look with your eyes, you know? Welcome. Thanks, Deepak. To day 11. We love Deepak. This is my third time doing this day. This day 11. Yes. Is an elegant Why are you doing it again? Symphony. It just helps me like recalibrate. When our body mind is in concert with the universe, everything becomes spontaneous and effortless. And the exuberance of the universe flows through us in joyful ecstasy. Yeah, it does. <laughs> this is the essence of the law of least effort. Trusting everything in the universe is as it should be in perfect harmony knowing this we dance to the rhythm of the cosmos it tells us that we can do less and accomplish more but first we must practice acceptance The more readily you accept the circumstances of your life as they are in this moment, the easier your life becomes. When you struggle against this moment, you're actually struggling against the entire universe. And while you may have the intention for your life to change in some way, accepting it as it is right now places you in the best position to attain your goals. We have likely all heard the maxim, 
no pain, no gain. That we have to work diligently to achieve what we want in life. However, the law of least effort teaches us that when we act in harmony with nature, established in the knowledge of our true self, and motivated by love, we can create the success and good fortune we desire with effortless ease. Today, put the law of least effort into practice. Accept all people and circumstances in your life exactly as they are. Take responsibility for your life without blaming yourself, knowing that everything is as it should be. Practice defenselessness and relinquish the need to convince or persuade others of your point of view. As we prepare to meditate together, let's return our attention to today's centering thought. I expect and accept abundance to flow easily to me. I expect and accept abundance to flow easily to me. Now let's begin. Please find a comfortable position. Placing your hands lightly in your lap and closing your eyes. In this moment, go within to that place of inner quiet where we experience our connection to the higher self. Let go of all thoughts Begin to observe the inflow and outflow of your breath. With each inhalation and exhalation, allow yourself to become more relaxed, more comfortable, more at peace. Now, Gently introduce the Sanskrit mantra for the law of least effort, repeating it mentally and allowing it to flow with effortlessness.
So that audio clip was from the 21 Days of Abundance by Deepak Chopra. I really did not, I was not able to finish the 21 days in a row. I kind of had to do like a stop start business um, and it took me almost like 40 days to do 21 days. But it was worth it and um, yeah so you can find them on YouTube. Just search 21 Days of Abundance um, and they're about 15 minutes every day. Um, and they're a really good starting point to get you on your journey and they're also a really good recalibration point um, to get you started on meditation and things like that so would definitely recommend I think a lot of my best thoughts come from when I'm quiet and when I'm able to sort of observe that inner stillness that is inside of me welcome to episode number four of when strong women talk Thank you for joining us. Um, we hope you enjoyed that short meditation snippet at the beginning. Um, I'm a very hefty meditator. I'm kind of addicted to meditating at the moment. Um, and Tula is a budding meditationist. Not really. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's like, I don't know whether I'm like committed. Mm. What is that? I, well, my biggest thing is I don't like being told when to breathe and to being being told to like focus on my breathing because as an anxious person I'm already doing that mm. and if I'm in an anxious state of mind I was saying this to you tonight like I don't need further encouragement to hyper focus because mm. I'm already doing that mm. and not basing this off like theory it's happened to me many times where I've legitimately been thrown into a panic attack because mm. I've been meditating and the person on the meditation 
has been like, focus on your breathing in and out. It's like, no. Mm. And so if we don't, if it's a type of meditation that doesn't do breath work, then I'm down. But um, I think even if I was committed, I wouldn't do it daily. Mm. I think it's just like exercise, but for your spiritual body. It's like, you don't have to do it daily, but it feels really good too. Mm. And like, once you know what feeling you're looking for when you go into it, you kind of want to do it more in order to be able to get to that place again. But, I mean, like, 21 Days of Abundance, they usually talk about breathing very minimally compared to other meditations. Like, there are some meditations that encourage you to do, like, extremely rapid breathing Mm. to almost induce, like, a DMT reaction in your brain. Um, But I guess, like, you know, it really depends. And a lot of um, meditative thought, Um, guidance people say that breathing is like the connection for your physical body to your higher self so it's probably like just a barrier that you'll have to overcome Mm. eventually but there's no rush we're all here on our own journey yeah like I mean I've um, been dealing with um, anxiety for I want to say like 11 years because I was in year 5 when I was diagnosed um, and when I was in year five, I was hyperventilating almost every day, mm. pretty much every day. I was, um, my eyes were bloodshot. I wasn't sleeping. I was making myself sick all the time and like nauseous sick. It was kind of hell for like a couple of weeks until I started seeing a psych mm. and, um, she taught me different techniques like, um, lying in bed at night and focusing and like putting a teddy bear or like a stuffed toy on your belly Mm. and focusing on pushing it up and then taking it back down again Mm. because when you're hyperventilating you keep focusing on the in breath but what you want to do is focus on the out breath Mm. because that's why you get all these adverse effects because your brain is getting too much CO2 Mm. not enough oxygen Mm. and so she told me to like focus on like the stuffed toy going down and then going back up again easily Mm. because your body knows what to do it knows how to breathe but your brain is just going no it doesn't Ah." Mm. and um it was a really good technique that i used i still sometimes use it obviously not necessarily with a stuffed toy maybe a pillow Mm. but it was a really good one to tell a 10 year old I think it also has like a little bit to do with like focusing on how your body feels from the inside which is something I don't think we do very often in this day and age at the moment we're kind of all in the mind um, and we forget about our body a lot so in um, Eckhart Tolle's book The Power of Now he talks a lot about the first thing you should do when you wake up in the morning and the last thing that you should do when you go to sleep at night is really be as conscious and present as you can with your own body and like go through each different part of it and really just like feel what it feels like to experience that sensation of that body part like your eyeballs for example um, while you're in that state before you go to sleep or before you wake up so that's like you know how in your eyes you have like little cones and rods and you can kind of feel where they are on your face but then also moving down to like your cheeks and your chin and your lips you know if you really focus you're like wow having lips is an interesting experience and I think it's all part of that idea that like 
existence ties in with consciousness, ties in with bliss. Which, you know, ideally, who doesn't want to live in bliss? Mm. Yeah. I, um... I mean, I think I think with that, you kind of have to have time in the morning to be able to do that. This is true. But a I lot of the time, I'm like, I have to be awake! Like, this my alarm's true. going off for the fifth time, and I'm like, okay, bye. This is true. But this also says something about maybe not letting it get to the fifth time of your alarm. <laughs> my my half-asleep <laughs> self is like, no, sleep. That's so fair. And I feel like you're still kind of in that development stage of, like, you know, your body getting accustomed to waking up early. Mm. Like, I was there as well when I was, like, early 20s. I was like, I don't want to get up early. Like, I'm going to sleep till 2. But I, I physically can't do it anymore. Um, and Maggie, a lovely little cat, um, she wakes me up every morning at, like, 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. She's, like, my spirit guide. She's like, wake up, it's time to meditate. Let's go. Chop, chop. And she'll knock crystals off my bedside. Which is very interesting because... Some people do say that cats have a bit of a receptor for crystals. Um, but yeah, it's very, very funny and cute. But I think I just have gotten to the point in my journey where they're like, you can't fuck around anymore, so you have to go to sleep early and wake up early. Um, which is fair enough. I also can't drink anymore. and don't engage in harmful behaviours anymore, which is something that like was a really big deal to try and get over. But I feel like, you know, there's no rush. It happens when it happens. Do you see drinking as a harmful behaviour? Uh, yeah. It's kind of the only substance that when you when you drink, it ruins every organ that it passes through. That's true. And it wouldn't be legal unless it was, you know, not great for the working class. <laughs> mm. I would, yeah, I would, I would see it as harmful, but I wouldn't see it as a harmful behaviour. Because I think it, like, connects. Hmm. I mean, the desire to drink, I guess, comes from the idea that it gives you more confidence to be social, right? Mm. Which, you know, we just watched Brene Brown's Call to Courage tonight, which, you know, says a lot about vulnerability and says a lot about our desire to connect with other human beings um, on, a, on a very honest and true level. We're not able to do that without a substance at the moment um, as a collective. And I think that's something that I'm really trying to work through myself is that I also have anxiety when going into social situations um, and there's a lot of that monkey brain ego talk being like these people don't want to talk to you like you have nothing valuable to say rah, 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 all that mind thought and I think it's just about sort of trying to wade past that zapping negative thoughts when you hear them in your brain um, and then also you know implementing a healthy regime of exercising your brain when you need it and telling it to shush when you don't. Like, mm. meditation is what helps me do that. Because I'm able to be like, okay, no more monkey brain, no more ego brain, which is really hard for me because I, I'm pretty sure I'm... Oh, well, I'm currently in the process of getting diagnosed with ADHD um, with my therapist. But it's very hard for people who have ADHD to turn that ego brain off because mm. that's kind of just constantly what's going on there. Um, so I do recommend meditation to a lot of my friends who do have ADHD because I'm like, it will help you get rid of that that voice in your, in your head that isn't necessarily the most helpful voice in the room, um, especially when you're dealing with social situations like that. And it's why people with ADHD have very big um, rates of substance reliance and substance abuse um, because it's easier to sort of self-medicate with those problems, with those mental problems, than it is to you know, confront the problems themselves. Mm. And, like, I think about alcohol a lot sometimes because I'm like, 
after it's fun and after you know you've had your big night out it makes you feel horrible the next day and like my body kind of just like went on strike and it was like you have psoriasis because I, I really like in my life I went through a straight period of like two or three years where I was binge drinking like almost every week mm. to an insane amount like I would black out and then I'd be like that's just a normal Saturday night and that's not normal I was using alcohol to cope with the realities of my life that were too difficult for me to deal with not sober mm. <laughs> um, and yeah it wasn't healthy and a lot of things happened to me and made me like really reevaluate who I was and how I'd gotten there and I was like I actually think I can do better yeah I really admire that thank you and yeah and just because I'm not on the meditation train completely doesn't mean that I don't see it's important no I know and like and I yeah again like I really admire you for doing that for yourself no and I think it's like you know for me I'm like yes it is for me but as you know like I am a very 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 empathetic person who struggles with you know wanting to help people around me and like seeing you anxious lately has not been easy for me but Mm -hmm. again I guess the only way that I know how to help with that is to work on myself because I'm no use to anyone if I can't help myself Mm. Um, and I guess the importance of that for me is being able to learn the way so that one day if you want and when you're ready I can show you the way Mm. if that's something that you're ready for but it, it has to be something that you're ready for because some people just you know there are people that go till like age 80 without realizing a lot of this stuff and then you're on your deathbed and you're like fuck yeah <laughs> you know but we're very lucky in that we are young and we have like a little bit of flexibility in order to be able to yeah just spend time trying to get into a conversation with ourselves mm. like with our higher selves not with the ego brain that's yeah. monkey brain <laughs> I think I've just come to a point though where like I I'm such a, a natively anxious person and I'm such a I don't take risks I don't like it mm. risk averse is the word um and I've gotten to a point now and I and I guess it is my 21 year old self talking but I like kind of just want to not give a shit and do whatever True. I will always give a shit but like I'm just kind of at a point where I'm like YOLO and like not to the point of me being like I'm gonna go out and take drugs every night like more just like I don't want to restrict myself because I have my entire life mm. in one way or another and I already am incredibly um disciplined mm already like as we speak I'm planning to go out tonight and drink and see a friend of mine perform and um so and I'm not intending to write myself off or anything but I am just like yeah you know I'm at that point where I don't think I'm like done with the alcohol yet that's so fair yeah everybody has their time you know yeah and I think it's interesting because we're still having their time (laughs) true and I but I think it's interesting that we've come like we're kind of two different journeys and we're here to like help each other yeah absolutely I feel like there's always a lot of exchange in relationships it has to be a partnership otherwise it's not a good relationship right it's just Mm -hmm. take 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 but I feel like yeah you don't have to be in a place where you're like restricting yourself from anything 
I don't feel like I'm missing out on any. It used to feel like that because I was like, oh, everybody's having fun, blah, 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 blah. But now I'm kind of like, I'm having fun. Like, <laughs> and I think like the things that I've been able to do just with my mind and like just being able to sort of stop that monkey brain for a little bit have been enough for me to be like, hey, I think this is something that, you know, I'm okay replacing alcohol with. Mm. <laughs> not in the same like abusive way I guess but yeah I have like I've probably meditated today like four or five times now That's just because really like, we went to for, for reference for everyone else's reference we went to Kirtan meditation last night which is um, the Hare Krishnas where they like chant Hare Krishna and Hare Rama and like the energy in that room is like insane like if you ever feel like shit and you want to feel better, go there. They feed you as well. It's good food. It's really good. Um, and so I guess I kind of just came off that high and I was like, I'm going to use this. Because last time I went, I didn't really use the high. I kind of just was like, I'm going to let it peter out. Um, and that wasn't helpful. So I was like, this is my momentum. I'm going to get going. Um, and yeah, just spending time outside, making food that's good for our body. Just feeling that joy and that gratitude that I think is very hard to feel in this day and age which in and of itself I believe is kind of revolutionary mm. because you know you're resisting everything in the world that's telling you to be sad and desolate about the situation instead of empowered and like you can do something about it mm. which is like very interesting because I feel like at the moment like you and I are in a very particularly interesting position to help in that sphere and to mobilize people for good and to create change um, and I feel like that's what I'm finally like everything's kind of like flowing the way that it should for me right now like why empower is just taking off um, we have this podcast where we have like a platform to be able to reach people um, Isma is going into full swing we're gonna start talking to some younger kids about social media which I think is so important because yeah sometimes can be worse than alcohol um and i'm just trying to think of all the other things our block thanks for producing this podcast yes There's audio boy so much good happening right now so it's like impossible for me to like not be observant and grateful of that at the moment i'm so glad yeah and like you know i'm no stranger to the sad or to being depressed because i was there for a very long time um, and there were a lot of people who were around me, especially like during um, my politics days and my labor days, who, you know, were quite privy to very, very big breakdowns. And like, mm. I apologize to a lot of them, if you're listening to this, about the emotional labor that you had to put in to look after me. And I know some people probably just like didn't sign up for that, <laughs> um, which is completely fair. But, you know, I was dealing in the best way that I could at the time. Um, and also the institution was not great for that kind of process that I was going through, but it really served a purpose. <laughs> like I learned so much in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Well, a lot of the skills that you use in creating wine power and doing all that you do, you got through your experience in politics. Yeah. Yeah. Organizing student activism. Chairing things, paneling things, yeah. writing emails Agendas. just simply. Yeah. Like, yeah. you write emails so well. And, like, 
it's a simple thing, but sometimes I stress. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. True. But you just, like, do it. True. And, in, and you don't give yourself enough credit for that, because, like, you're doing it all yourself when you're 26, and, like, you're just fucking doing it. Thanks. And, like, yeah, like, politics was incredibly hard, and we don't have to talk about that if we don't want to not yet (laughs) but but you got a lot of skills from it yeah and like I'm forever grateful to that experience for that Mm. even though it was like not the best way to learn it but you know what they say like trauma and adversity are like some of the best teachers yes indeed because you learn real fucking quick yes yeah and like to be honest it's going to sound like a brag. It's not meant to. But I've probably seen a lot more than a lot of 26-year-olds my age at this current point in time. <laughs> like, a lot more of the ugly and, like, the... Like, my personal definition of, like, rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess that's why this is so important to me now. It's because I'm like, wow, I can really just dedicate time to this and feel myself elevating like last night and even today I feel like I've been vibrating my body is like pulsing which is good with like an energy but you were very happy last night when we went to the meditation it was it was very cute thank you because it was my first time going there and um I've just been feeling very anxious lately and I think it's because currently as we speak there's a full moon going on Mm. And it's a transformative full moon, super full moon in Scorpio. Yes, and um, and Pluto also just went into retrograde, which mm-hmm. teaches you and transforms you. Mm-hmm. And as a Earth sign, I don't really like change. This is true, and I don't really like to be um, <laughs> transformed without my full will. Yeah. Um. So most likely that's what it is because I can't really pinpoint a reason as to why. Um. Because I saw my psych the other day and I was like, I'm going really well i'm really happy with how things are and then pluto went into retrograde (laughs) (laughs) because everything was direct for so long Mm. everything which Which is very good it was very good but Mm. i guess like you know it's the wheel of fortune right yeah it's the constant ever-changing cycles of the universe yeah which is like why when i'm like really sad or like i'm upset which you know it happens shocker but (laughs) i like oh my god, this is just contrast. This is just contrast of what I don't want to put in my vortex of things that I want to manifest. Like, And that's something that I try to remind myself of because the Wheel of Fortune is just so present in our lives. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just something to remember. And I feel like, especially Pluto going retrograde, there's a lot of people at the moment who are in situations where, you know, they might not necessarily be having the best time. And I think... Pluto in retrograde makes us look at that and think about the ways in which that's not no that's no longer feasible for us, mm. um, and about like the change one that we have to go through as individuals, but also two that we kind of have to make as a collective in order to be able to heal from a lot of the mass traumas that we've endured as a human race. Mm. Which I think it is good overall, but it's gonna be messy because change and transformation is rarely ever fun. Yeah, unless you lean into it. If you lean into it and surrender, you're just like, take me as I am, universe. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's usually less shit, because you're like, having a a time, but I'm having fun. (laughs) Well, one of my mantras that I, like, read when I was, like, 
14 that has stuck with me ever since was um, I have faith in life and life response in kind. Oh, I love that. And that's kind of what I believe. I don't, I'm not religious and I don't really believe too much in like any deities. Mm. I'm open to the idea of it and I'm always respectful of other people's views, but I do believe in like some higher power that's not really anyone Mm. or anything but is there it's like a yeah like the universe is what i call it and um and so i just think that like and faith to me in in that mantra is like having hope Mm. i always will have hope even when i'm incredibly depressed i'm still hopeful Mm. which i am very proud that i can say Mm. um but yeah so i think with pluto in retrograde i am willing and ready for what they want to do to me (laughs) um but i think i am having a bit of a um energetic shift disrupt yeah and so i think that's where it's coming from Mm. um and also like this time of year is incredibly tiring Mm. just because we're all very busy um and uni's ramping up for me as well Mm. and so there's just like a lot in that um I mean, um, I mean, I did a little painting. I put it up in the house. It's, everything is I, I seek is seeking me, which I think is quite similar to yeah your mantra, which I like a lot. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I think it's less about doing onto you and more about like I don't know. Like Max said that you are very like intuitive, very powerful person mm. internally, and I think that you're able to sort of understand when things are shifting and when things are changing and you're obviously feeling it like on a on a different level Mm. and i think a lot of people have a lot of different names for what you know the universe might represent like some people call it god some people call it source but they're all just kind of names for the same thing right Mm. um and there's this idea that i really like is that everyone that's ever been enlightened before so like the buddha like jesus or muhammad and people like that or deities people that have become truly enlightened when they become enlightened their essence their soul goes into source to be able to help empower the souls that are looking for enlightenment at the moment which is an idea that i've I've really become drawn to because i'm like hells yeah that's awesome Mm. yeah (laughs) i just like that but i like that too yeah because like i don't i don't think that what exists already cannot be something like magical Mm. like if what scientists say is true and a never-ending space is out there filled with galaxies and galaxies upon galaxies of things that we don't know if that is so-called true then how can like one big energy not be true true is what is what i think about like there's so many beautiful and crazy things and so why can like you can't really say that an energy is not true because mm. how the fuck do you not know? I agree I agree and I agree with you so much and I think about this so much but on the opposite end of the spectrum right so like there's space but then if we think about for example like cells and atoms on a molecular level mm. and you think about how insane it is that there's like billions of cells in like one tiny finger fingernail and you're like that's you know too much and they're all like intelligent life like they all have a function Mm. and they all perform their function 
and they work with each other to like make your body function how would you be able to question that there's something when life is so complex and life is so beautiful yeah in the way that it works I don't know I think it it would be a very sad life to lead if you believe that there was truly nothing else out there and like I don't really subscribe to the idea of like heaven or hell I think that duality is something that we've moved past um and it's only it's a way to like create shame and blame yeah and I think it's something that religions have traditionally like western religions have leaned on a lot as a bit of a crutch Mm. um to be able to you know keep the masses um and that's something that like bothers me quite a bit every time i walk past a church and they've got like you will pay for your sins yeah but my my biggest thing is how can you look down at a newborn baby and say you are sin oh original sin yeah in what way i mean sorry i am talking as a someone who grew up with two atheist parents and so and like in no way am i trying to disrespect but it just it does baffle me that like babies are so pure and then you have to have a whole ritual to purify a baby yeah yeah which I that think gets me here we go because i was um baptized reconciled communioned mm-hmm. and confirmed those were the sacraments that i had to go through um because i went to catholic school for 13 years and honestly like nothing has taught me more about what spirituality shouldn't be than those 13 years of Catholic school. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who have left Catholic school being like, yeah, hey, there's something not right here. Because, one, you look at the Catholic Church and you think about how much influence and how much power and how much money they hold and how much they, like, what's the word? Sequester for themselves, like, mm. hold on to. Like, it's not flowing money that goes back into communities or that goes back into, you know, initiatives that do social good. It's just sitting in a bank. Um, And it's like, I'm going to sit on this money. Um, You look at that, and then you also look at the shame and the blame tactics that are used to keep people holden to that. And then you also kind of look at the rituals and the rites as well um, and how the Bible's written. So there's, like, a few areas in which that, like, I always think about and, like, the texts... Um, the sacraments, the church, the institution, um, and then the manner of control. Mm. And it really is kind of almost reminiscent of cult, I will say. Mm. Um, And whilst I did enjoy some aspects of being Catholic, like, you know, singing in church um, and community and belonging, those aspects, unfortunately, don't necessarily outweigh the fact that I, I truly believe that there's, you know, a lot of evil that the Catholic Church has committed and, you know, it's in things like protecting um, perpetrators of child sex abuse. Um, It's in, you know, not necessarily operating for the good of global humanity but operating for the good of the coffers and asking people to donate money when you're one of the richest organisations in the world. Mm. Um, So I think it's just looking at simple things like that for me that kind of really lit up that perspective I know a lot of friends of mine from high school are still quite religious and all the respect and power to you like sometimes in life you really do kind of need to have faith in something um and I'm not throwing any dirt on that at all um I guess I just I don't have a lot of respect for the institution behind it and then that comes for like again European religions for me don't tick the box because I like Anglicanism was created because a dude wanted to boink multiple women makes me mad that dudes can just be like nah 
new religion, throw out the book. And also, we're probably going to talk about this anyway, but a lot of the symbol symbology and like the figureheads and the traditions and the rituals and the rites that are in Christianity are derived from paganism. Yes, indeed. Um, My yeah. mum is a big pagan believer. I mean, believer with an asterisk. She doesn't <laughs> fully believe it, but like she is very much knowledgeable on it. Yeah. And she taught me from a young age that like Adam and Eve was literally just a story about a woman liking sex. How dare she? Yeah. Because a snake has lots of symbolic meaning. Phallic. Yeah. Yeah. And like the apple is like bliss. And so because of that we all every woman must have a painful childbirth and periods. Yeah. I just there's so much in that that I (laughs) (laughs) It's all just being scared of women's power, I think. Yeah, right down to it. Yeah. Because like um in in a lot of pagan culture, women were completely highly regarded. And that's why for, like, Easter festivals, or what we know now as Easter festivals, were based on fertility festivals. Where, where women bleed over fields, right? Yeah, because, I mean, it has iron in it, and a lot of plants like iron. Mm. Um, and now we can't even talk about period. Yeah. It's too taboo. Yeah. Mm. I think it's very interesting, and I'm, I'm a big supporter in... I, I've never done it myself, but I'm intrigued in getting a moon cup. Yeah. So when you're on your cycle, you can just... <laughs> pour some out for the boys and girls. Yeah, I've tried it. And it's... I'm TMI, like, Dad, if you're listening, maybe don't. But, like, um, I... Why? Include him in the discussion. Okay, you've never actually been scared of periods, so it's so fine. <laughs> um, but it's... I couldn't do it because I bought one and I bought... Like, there's two sizes. One when you've had a baby or more and another when you, like, when you haven't had a baby. Mm. Because... And I'm going to myth bust this for you. It's not because the vagina has stretched. Vaginas don't stretch. Thank you very much. Vaginas go back. But it's more that when you have a baby, your uterus changes position and also your hips widen. So these things change. Anyway, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when people are like, childbirth like ruins your vagina. It does not. Um, but yeah, I got the smaller size. But I just couldn't, like, get my head around how to, like, fold it and then insert it. Mm. Because you have to, like, do this weird C fold or, like, a Z fold. And then just, like... Yeah. Because otherwise it doesn't go in. That's confusing. And then you have to twist it so it suctions. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, TMI, everyone. But, like... Also, I've heard of people putting them in the dishwasher. Yeah, you can. But, like, is... Should we? (laughs) It just has to be, like, skin safe. Right. Um, detergent. Okay. Well, I mean, like, maybe I can try it out and then review it at our next podcast it's, episode. You should, because yeah. it's very environmental, because, I mean, like, pads and tampons. Waste so much. Yeah. Yeah. And also the pink tax on that stuff is yeah. redonkulous. Oh, yeah. Um, also, apparently they released this new thing. I think, I believe it's called the pink glove, thought up by two men at, like, a shark tank thing. Oh, no. And they're like... It's a glove you can wear so you don't dirty your hands when you pull out your tampon. And it's like, women have been doing this for so long. Do you think we don't know how to pull it out without getting blood on our hands? And also, there's soap. (laughs) 
Also, like, let's just increase the gender pay gap more. True. Now you have to buy a glove to take out your bloody tampon that costs, like, $3 a pop. Well, I've never used... I've never used those applicators. Yeah, no. Personally. Yeah. I don't want to put plastic near there. No, you just... Yeah. For See, those of you body... Lis- for those of you listening at home, I just... She did a motion upwards. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do the noise. But, um... Yeah, it's your own body. And if people are scared of their own body, then, like, sure, I'm not going to speak on your experience. But also, like, maybe think that through. Sit with yourself for a second. 10 out of 10 would recommend, I don't know, I think I showed you. It's a TikTok video um, by a very funny individual. And she wrote a song about people complaining about periods. Yes. Um, It basically ends with her threatening to free bleed all over their couch. Which I am so about. I'm like, you do that. (laughs) If it makes you happy. If it brings you joy. And also, I'm going to bring this up because she was so lovely and shared it with me, but um, our mutual friend Sondi, who I told her yesterday that she's our biggest fan because she's like, she listens to our podcast so much that she can quote us. I love it. And quote us back to us. Yeah. Um, it's good. <laughs> it's, I'm like, I said that? <laughs> <laughs> but um, she shared a article with me today about how um, there was a study done on a Australian students and people who menstruate Mm -hmm. done by a um, Kimberly Clark like a big sanitary products company Mm. which I thought was interesting Um, and they found that there's still such a big stigma around menstruating that people who menstruate at schools they take the day off Mm. because even if they don't suffer pain even even if they can actually um, study under those conditions they just take it off because they don't want to be um, feeling shame at school. Mm. And I think that's so fucked in one that you have shame around that and people make you feel bad for something that's natural. Mm. And the other alternative is getting pregnant and people would give you even more shame about that. Mm. So you kind of can't win. Mm. At least, um, yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's also like periods are showing that your body is... Nah, like it's healthy and it's mm. working as it should mm. it shouldn't be a shameful thing mm. and there should be more sex ed around it as well that like I, I think I said this in the other in our last podcast but um a lot of people who menstruate literally think that they're dying mm. because that was my grandma when she got her period that was my grandma too mm. because no one explains it to them mm. and it's a bullshit myth that you lose like two to three teaspoons mm. Of it's blood. so much. You lose, yeah, over like, so the average. The TikTok video is like. She poured a bottle of wine. It was like three quarters of a bottle of wine. That's fucked. That's crazy. <laughs> and I've legitimately thought I was hemorrhaging a couple of times because I've lost that much blood in a sitting. Mm. Um, and like the average for a person who menstruates, like, period to be, is around three to three days to a week. And if you're bleeding consistently that entire time, that's more than fucking two teaspoons. That's cooked. In what way? Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's definitely something you mentioned before about how it's, you know, not wanting women to really recognise that they have inherent power. Mm. Um, And I think that comes from the fact that there are a lot of people in this world that feel uh, insecure around the idea of the divine feminine 
um, which is something I truly do believe in, um, is the inherent energy that a lot of women have mm. um, and the power that a lot of women have. And I think history and society has taken us to this point um, where they want us to feel shame and to be scared of our own bodies mm. and our own power as well. Um, it's something Brene Brown said in her um, Netflix special, um, The Call to Courage, where she said, um, what's the number one um, cause of shame in women and it's body image yeah um for men it's appearing weak which again is you know something inherently tied at the moment by this society to that's so funny just as we're speaking we have candles on sitting in a relatively dark room and one of the candles has been like off off like really (gasps) oh my god it just went out well, it turned on and then it went off. That was such a strong flame, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, podcast think- listeners, you're witness. <laughs> I think you're listening to some really good content. Yeah. As determined by our guides, apparently. Um, but it's that idea that being weak is associated with being feminine, right? True. That's so crazy. Like, our wombs are legitimately portals to the world. Oh, we bring another entire being. Yeah, with a soul. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And so, like, if you bleed a little bit every so often... If my partner... I think about this all the time, and I have, like, imaginary arguments with said partner, but if my partner ever says something, like, derogatory about me on my period or about it being gross in any way... I'm going to turn them to him and say, or them to, and say, do you want it to be the other alternative? True. And then just watch their little face crumble as they think about having a baby with me already. Like, back up, dude. Know your, know your privilege. Exactly. You don't have to put up with pain every month. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to find that TikTok about free bleeding all over your catch because I feel like it would be beneficial for people to hear that because it's such a good song Um, but instead I stumbled upon something called a free bleed marathon which is just a bunch of ladies doing a run with no tampons in (laughs) I I wouldn't like that just because it'd be uncomfortable it'd be kind of scary but I understand and like itchy I understand that it's like an activist sort of move you know yeah yeah so people aren't like ew periods well there was that um those activists who like i don't think it was real blood i think it was just red paint but they went into the australian parliament house and went up into question time and like sat down (laughs) and i think it was around abortion i have no problem with that (laughs) yeah and everyone freaked out, being like, how dare they? But it's like, <laughs> it's just... You're a- just proving their point, yeah. mate. <laughs> Very frustrating. I'm really, I'm really desperate to find this video because I feel like it needs... You remember which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It's pretty yeah. funny. And she seems very angry whilst, oh, like, still smiling. <laughs> just having a good time, even though she's like... They keep judging me for my periods. Like, I'm pretty sure I most likely have endometriosis with the amount of pain I have. And I definitely don't need, on top of that, someone saying it's disgusting or shaming me for it. Yeah. So many um, women struggle with endometriosis. 
Mm. Um, it's apparently um, there's a rate of 281 hospitalizations per 100,000 females um, and 30 ooh, where am I more than 11% of Australian women suffer from endometriosis at some point in their life um, and this is honestly something that I truly believe is, we're, we're going to get to it we have an episode planned um, for health advocacy because mm-hmm. it's something that's quite close to my heart um, but women in health just never get taken seriously um, especially when it comes to periods because men don't have them and they don't understand them um, so I always think about this a lot and I think about the fact that if men had to have like if they got periods and if they had the capacity to give another human being life cisgender men by the way they probably would have solved it already yes <laughs> yes indeed it probably wouldn't be a problem um, but instead I think I looked at something I think it was like a stat about the wait times for men versus the wait times for women in the emergency room and mm. it's just so disproportionate um, to the extent where it's you know borderline where it, where it is discriminatory yeah um, and I think that like if we're still there there's still a lot of work to do you know truly it's just a lot yeah and like I read about this woman who um was quite big and she went to and this this runs into other things of course but she was she went to see a doctor about like pain that she was having I don't know the the specifics at the top of my head but they ended up um basically fat shaming her and saying like it's to do with your weight and I do know this for a fact that um women face more um fat phobia than men do um and that can run into, like, your health as well mm. being affected because it turned out that this woman was actually had some incredibly serious stuff going on mm. and they just didn't test her for it because they were like, yeah, it's just because you're like, la, 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 la. And it's like, <laughs> mm. in what way? With it, like, I think if it was a cisgendered man coming in there being like, I'm in pain, they would be like, let's do everything, all the tests. And I, I think I mentioned this in the first episode, but when my partner went to the doctor because he had suspected testicular torsion, they saw him within, like, the hour. Mm. Um, when I was there for mine, I probably had to wait, like, an hour and a half to get seen. And um, I'm not going to say names, but someone who I spoke to about health advocacy in particular told me about their experience. Um, in the hospital system, and it was a similar thing. They chalked it down to um, her weight, and it had actually been discovered that she was like going about six to eight months with a tumor. That's so in her crazy. cervix. Yeah. So she went to the gyno, and the gyno was like, "How is this not been noticed?" Mm. Um, and she had to yeah get it surgically removed. Um, luckily, it was malignant, but. Yeah, just walking around with a tumor in there for like however long, and I think that's like very emblematic of the struggles that women face in the health system, and just being taken seriously. And I mean, it's why I had to rely a lot on you as well 
when I was in hospital because mm. one I was in immense pain and you know advocating for yourself when you're in pain is a whole other thing but I was also incredibly anxious about not being taken seriously as well mm. um, so just having another person there to be able to be like no she's feeling this way um, was incredibly valuable I think even at one point when my mum came to visit I was like you're my mum tell the doctor that I want to be tested for this because they just weren't listening to me mm. which is crazy in what way can you not listen to the person going through it yeah well I mean I can't I think it's kind of also emblematic of the fact that our public health system is incredibly underserviced and struggling yeah. as well yeah but again Mm. well like I was once actually a few times in my life but the biggest one when I was fat shamed by a medical professional was when I was incredibly mentally ill um, and I went to see a doctor I was 16 my parents were splitting up and a lot of other things were happening and I was under a lot of mental stress and um, I had like I had pretty much finished growing at this point and so majority of my um, stretch marks had disappeared. Mm. But but around this time, I got angry, angry, like painful stretch marks up my hips. And I went to the doctor being like, what the fuck? And they were just like, it's because you've put on weight. You need to watch what you're eating, blah, blah, blah. Never asked uh, like a full holistic view of how I was going. I found out later that due to my anxiety and that I've been dealing with for however long um i had very i was living with very very high levels of um the stress hormone and cord- cord- cortisol? cortisol yes yeah and um funnily enough that does make you hungrier and so i probably was eating more but it was more that like i was under fight or flight mode for the like for years and so my body was just used to being at a very high level of stress and it kind of got to breaking point, legitimately breaking point, and my skin was breaking. Mm. And they didn't ask. Mm. They never asked how I felt. And I think it would have been a very different prognosis if they had. Mm. But this woman put me on a 16-year-old girl on um, a low-carb diet for a month. And I did it. And it was hard. And I came back and she was like, you look so different. And I fucking didn't. And I had weighed myself and everything and I didn't. Mm. And um, she never asked me if I had any, um, if eating disorders were a trigger for me either. <laughs> or if I had body image issues. Didn't even check. Mm. And it, um, it was a very triggering experience. Um, and then, yeah, nothing fucking came of it. Mm. And I found help from someone else. Mm. But... It was like a very traumatic experience and yeah, this went straight to you've put on weight, you need to do with a better patronizing me the entire way. I feel like that happens a lot. Especially with young girls. Mm. I like I remember when I was probably about thirteen, my GP sent me to see a dietitian and I had to do like a shit ton of tests. Um, turns out I just needed to have my tonsils out. But um yeah, they made it about the things which is you know not something that a young girl is ever really fully equipped to hear about no um and yeah they don't really ask if eating disorders are a trigger yeah which they really should yeah especially like if hypothetically it is a good 
suggestion for this person to see someone along those lines you should still ask mm. is this a trigger for you mm. and then go about giving that information in a much kinder more sensitive way mm. um but your doctor in that situation should have just like given you a whole check mm. and then would have been like oh true true <laughs> unsurprised yeah truly or different races of people and I think that's something that's inherently um, based in a system that I think is quite Western and for profit because you know they're obviously there to serve a certain sector of the community um, and it nothing has changed with the health sector for a very long time now um, I'm a member of the Consumer Health Forum um, and also of the um, youth Council for the Consumer Health Forum, so I help advise them on like how young people feel in those situations, and I've done a lot of advocacy in that space just because it is quite important to me personally. Mm. But to me, like a lot of these groups are often set up as a box ticking exercise for um, you know systems that you know want to look like they're changing but don't necessarily want to change, and I think that's because truly changing means that they would have to recognize um all of the wrong that's been done to people that have been ignored mistreated misdiagnosed misrepresented um and i think that's something that would be inherently uncomfortable for them and like Brene says we're quoting her a lot tonight <laughs> but like a lot of organizations and a lot of systems don't necessarily want to be placed in a difficult or uncomfortable position because that means recognizing their inherent privilege in that situation um and that's something that you know a lot of bigger corporations are terrified of and bigger systems are too like government mm. well like people a lot of the time see who privileged people a lot of the time see um equal rights or equal treatment um, as like a pie and they think the people like the people who are wanting the equal treatment and equal rights are after their piece of the pie mm. whereas what it truly is is that you're just cutting the pie differently mm. you're just moving over on the ledge mm. but like there's this saying it's like um like privileged people see equality as a threat where it really isn't mm -hmm. because it's not like um, like people who have not had equality know what it's like to be the outer mm -hmm. so they wouldn't want to make someone the outer mm -hmm. and people and like privileged people don't get that because they've never had to be the outer mm -hmm. um, and yeah, people need to remember that, that I don't think that these activists aren't after the end to them. It's just after them just shoving over mm. on the ledge that they can get up to. I mean, there's plenty of room. And yeah. I think that's something that like people always get up me about. They're like, but there's only a certain amount of resources. And I'm like, well, if we think about it in honest terms... Um, if we think about the natural resources on this planet that are currently being pillaged mm. for profit, yes, there is not enough. Um, but if we think about it in the framework of what Mother Nature is 
hoping for us to use and how mother nature is hoping for us to engage in like a mutual partnership with her Mm. then it completely changes the discussion i truly believe and i think part of that for example is conservation um so i read something the other day that apparently indigenous populations make up three percent of the world's population but they protect 80 percent of the world's biodiversity Mm. um and that's something that i read and i'm like well that says to me that we all just need to do a whole lot fucking better um and we all need to take up this custodianship because it's not up to three percent of the population to do all of the good it's up to all of us um and it's not up to one percent of the world to create most of the waste in this world either Mm. because that's currently what's happening um and i i have this poster in our in our living room that says dale a la tierra y la tierra de dare which means if you give to the earth the earth will give to you um and i think there's a lot that we can gain from that partnership if we were able to just have that space to be able to commune with the earth in the way that a lot of our ancestors did Mm. um, and to have that respect for the earth because even in um a lot of herbal medicine that they've been teaching us through things like hood herbalism um hood herbalism is an awesome 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 course um run by some pretty kick-ass latino women in um, america that i was lucky enough to be given a scholarship to go to thank you guys thank you vere um but they teach a lot of um the relationship that you are able to maintain with mother nature they teach a lot of um medicine where less is more Mm. whereas like a lot of western as herbal medicine as well they believe that you have to put a flower in in order to be able to get the medicine and there are so many other ways of doing that um that i think we just we need to listen to the people that have been doing it for thousands of years Mm. and understand that there are so many um environmental threats and existential threats that we're currently facing as a society at the moment and the way that we're currently doing things will not work um, going into the future so it's not only for us it's not only for our ancestors but it's also for the generations that are coming after us that we need to sort of buck up take responsibility and become custodians mm. so on that note um my partner matthew and i have decided to start um a local cleanup crew um just because we've noticed that the amount of waste in our area is just getting to a point where I, where I look and I'm like, how? <laughs> how has it gotten to this point? Um, so if you'd like to join us, we'll be going out every Thursday evening at around 6 or 7pm um, or probably earlier now because it's winter. I'm going to say like 5pm um, and just help us pick up rubbish. We bring gloves, we bring bags, we bring fun times and good conversation um, and I think it you know, mixes two things that I really enjoy so it's like caring for our local area and also um, having a bit of custodianship and community tied together. Um, yeah. Please join us. Give me a call. Send me a text. Slide into our DMs. At when strong women talk. Yeah. You can message us. And if you're interested in starting something similar in your local area, get in touch with us and let us know. Um, our local state member actually commented on my partner's post in our local community group and he was like oh the council's not doing its job and blah 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 and then um, I told uh, I mentioned to my partner that you should probably just invite him along 
um, and he said he was going to come, so we'll keep you guys updated on whether or not that actually happens or whether or not he's like every other politician and it's just all talk, no action. True. <laughs> True. Come out and pick rubbish with us. <laughs> like, it's not much, right? But I always think about it in the terms of, um, I, I say this a lot, but like, many drops in a huge ocean of change. You know? I think there's a lot we can do to give people their personal power back. Because there's a lot of people at the moment who feel disempowered to do anything. Like, why would anything that I do make a difference? And I think if everybody thinks that, then we're kind of up shit creek without a paddle. True. From little things, big things grow, I guess. Yes. We love poor Kelly. <laughs> should we finish up? I think we should. I'm gonna play Paul Kelly before I go. <laughs> because why not? Cute to send us out. Yeah. I think we played this in our first episode too, which yeah. I love. Don't copyright us. Please don't. Mad respect. It's only from love. And it's three seconds. <laughs> but thank you so much for tuning in to our fourth episode. Yeah, we wanted to do something a little bit more lighthearted because we know that the third episode was a bit heavy. It was a bit heavy. I um, It was important. Yeah, I think I really enjoyed that discussion. But, Same. But yeah, I think we did need to sort of take it back a dial. Yeah. And I'm glad that we started off with a meditation. <laughs> I know, um, I know that you'll do it a lot in the future. I probably will, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's right up your alley. It is. I just need to, like, get there. Yeah. And you will. Yeah. I'm here to help. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one was chill. And we just sort of had a little d about the world. I feel like you're kind of just, every podcast listener is just kind of, sitting in on one of our deep and meaningful conversations in for the ride yeah yeah hope y'all are yeah and um you know if there's any um things that you want us to touch on please get in touch with us yes um we're looking forward to a pretty exciting lineup coming up soon mm-hmm. um little sneak preview yes my business coach yemi pen is coming on an, as a guest to talk about women in leadership in entrepreneurship and her journey we've gushed gushed about her a lot so google her she's amazing she is the mission the mission is important she's starting a new charity foundation and she's going to tell us all about that when we see her next amazing Um, it's very exciting stuff it is um i'm a board director again that is exciting i am very excited i think I will do a lot better this time because I've matured a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Have a lovely, lovely week. We'll try and do this as we can. Yes. We're living very busy lives. Yeah. Bye.